Welcome to Real Life Christian Fellowship. We're located on 841 Crossgate Road, Port Winsworth, Georgia. Our Sunday worship starts at 10 a.m. And if you're not able to make it, no problem. You can find us on live stream at Real Life Church PW, or you can download our app on iOS and Android at Real Life Christian Fellowship. And we would love to see you and your family at our Bible studies. Refresh at noon Tuesday, refresh at night Wednesday at 7 p.m. And now, prepare yourself for the Word of God from our pastor, Paul Taylor. Before we get going, y'all know I like to see y'all showing love to each other. Fill me up till I overflow. I want to run over. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you for another chance. Thank you for seeing beyond our faults and moving in the area of our needs. Our biggest need is you. We absolutely positively have to have you. There's so many things we think we, can, we can't do without, but the real truth is we cannot do without you. Let us sense your presence in a real way today. I pray for change that begins on the inside and shows itself on the outside. That something real and authentic would happen in this room today. Thank you for a true and honest and genuine move of God. Not a move that does something in our feelings but a move that does something in our living. We want to be different, not act different. We know that only you can do that by the power of your spirit. We love you. We're excited about hearing you share your heart today. We were born for this time, for this day. And we thank you, Lord, that because of your spirit and your power, we are up to the task. In Jesus' name we pray. Let every believer say amen. Would you clap your hands and give God some glory? Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship leaders. Thank you, minstrels. Thank you, Elder Johnson. Thank all of you. We are so grateful to have all of you here today, uh, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had a good one. Amen. You enjoyed your family and your friends and the food. Say amen. 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 We couldn't leave the food out. Amen. We enjoyed our family, our friends, and our food. And I hope you took Saturday off from the Thanksgiving food so that you can eat it today and it wouldn't feel like you have an overload. So uh, hopefully you took one day off and all is well. Amen. Amen. Let's go to our word today. First Timothy chapter two. First Timothy chapter two. Starting at verse five. Somebody's phone go off. Let me double check mine. Only had that happen to me once up here preaching and my phone rang. I said, who in the world calling me? Don't they know what I do on Sundays? <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter 2, 
starting at verse 5, King James Version. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. It says he gave himself a ransom. Everybody say ransom. He gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. The word ransom is the price required to redeem someone. Someone were taken captive or kidnapped. The ransom is the price paid to redeem that person. Hebrews 9 and 12 goes deeper and it says, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Redemption, redeemer, are English words derived from a Latin root meaning to buy back. Thus meaning the liberation of any possession, object, or person, usually by payment of a ransom. In Greek, the root word means to loose and so to free. The term is used to freeing from chains, slavery, or prison. In the theological context, the term redemption indicates a freeing from the slavery of sin. The ransom or price paid for freedom. Let's, let's read these verses in, with that in mind again. Let's read these verses further. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom, the price required, hmm, to redeem us. Uh, to be testified in due time. Hebrews 9, 12, neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. What do these scriptures have in common? What do they say to us as believers? What do they have in common? The price that something was paid and we are mentioned as the object of ransom and redemption, which implies that there was a price paid for us. Can we all agree to that? I want to need y'all to talk back to me because this is going to be that kind of, going to kind of be a Bible study kind of thing happening today. Can I get a witness there? There we go. We had a ransom paid for us. We were captive. We were held captive. We were in the, uh, I'm going way back, in the clutches <laughs> of the enemy. He had control over us. You, you remember we tried to stop doing things we did? Come on. Oh, I'm going to talk to this side. We tried to stop doing stuff and said we'd never do it again. And, and then we, because we were under his control. And as hard as we tried to stop and quit, come on y'all, we didn't want to think about it no more because the enemy had us in his clutches. We couldn't seem to break away. But, but then one day, a price was paid. Oh, I wish I had some happy people in here. The, the, the ransom, the, 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 the cost, the price 
was paid to pull us out of the hands of the enemy. Is anybody glad to be on the side of the Lord today? Anybody? There are three things, there are three things that these scriptures have in common. Number one, salvation was not free. Salvation was not free. It, 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 it cost God Jesus. It cost God Jesus. See, we, we, we like to say cute things. Like salvation is free, free to you. But it wasn't free to God. It cost God something. He paid something for our salvation and our redemption. So number one, salvation was not free. Number two, it cost God Jesus. And number three, as a result, we all belong to God. Oh, no doubt about it. We all belong to God. If you say that you are a believer and that you're saved, and, and we quoted on Sunday, I'm saved and sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, then, if you are any of those things, you belong to God. Say amen. I'll give you scriptural evidence. First Corinthians chapter six and verse 20. Let's back this up with the word of God as Pastor Leslie reminds me so often and I must do. First Corinthians six twenty. for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are whose? God's. So your body does not belong to you. We do not get to decide what we're going to do and when we're going to do it and how we're going to do it. We belong to God. We should be asking God, is this okay? Do I have permission to go here? Do I have permission to do that? Because we belong to God. How would you feel if somebody took your stuff and did whatever it is they wanted to do with it? You'd be terribly upset if you got up in the middle of the night and discovered that one of your kids had taken your car for a ride. I Oh, y'all some good parents. I would be some kind of mad, and when they got back, there'd be some trouble to pay. Come on, somebody say amen. I'm glad I'm saved because I almost said something else. There'd be some trouble to pay if you took my car without my permission because that's my stuff. So we have to be careful about what we're doing and not seeking out the permission of God, the wisdom of God. Doing things that are not according, in accordance with his will and his purpose and his plan for our lives. Operating outside of his plan for us. Because in, in, in Jeremiah 29 and 11, Elder Darian, our favorite scripture around here. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. Come on, y'all. I, I know. God said, I know what I have planned for you. And if you want to know what I have planned for you, you might want to come to me. You might want to go to the scripture. You might want to go to the Holy Word. You might want to spend some time in prayer. You might want to spend some time in worship if you really want to know what it is that I have planned for you. Because really, you're unable to figure it out without his help. Let's soften the blow. We are unable to figure it out without his help. I, I, I can't tell you how much of my life I wasted trying to figure out on my own what I'm supposed to be doing. It wasn't until I got saved until I found my real purpose. When I was in the world, I was a mess. My deacon would say, here's a kingism, a teetotal mess. But I'm the only one in the church, so I'm going to keep on going. A guy named Thieselton, Thieselton, he puts it this way. You do not belong to yourselves. This truth is a major theological motif in the letter 
with profound implications for everyday life. Listen now. So it doesn't just mean that we don't belong to ourselves in church. Holy Spirit, have your way. In church. No, it goes beyond church. This thing is leaking all over into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's leaking all through your life. So, so honestly, it, it's, it's, we don't belong to ourselves any day. So, so, so look at this. Look at this. It, it says it strikes at the heart of the modern and postmodern notions that we establish our own identities and prize autonomous freedom. It, it, it pushes all of that foolishness down, that, that modern and postmodern way of thinking, the way that they're thinking nowadays, and they're telling you, you are your own person, and you get to decide your destiny. Your destiny is in your hands. You get to decide who you are and who you will be. That's all out the window based on this scripture. No, baby, you belong to God. And God has already decided who you are. God has already made a decision about you. Come on, somebody say Amen. amen. Some of us need to be glad that God made decisions. Some of us in this room ought not trust ourselves to make not one more decision. I can get about five people to wave their hand at me right there. Like more than five. Some of us shouldn't trust us no more. Because we made some messed up decisions. Married the wrong person. Oh God, bought the wrong car at the wrong time. Nobody talking to me. Quit the, quit the wrong job. Spent the wrong money. Oh, Lord, help us in here, Jesus. We made some messed up. I need all the wrong decision people to say, thank you, Lord, for making decisions for me. Thank you, God. I messed up. And I own that thing. I own it. That I messed up. When I was in control, life was a roller coaster. And it wasn't a roller coaster of love. It was a mess. God, God here, he, he lays claim to us, rightly so, because he paid for us. So if we belong to God then, then he gets to choose how he uses us. I want you to say that with me. If I belong to God, then he gets to choose how he uses me. Hmm. So we don't get to tell God what we want to do. What I found is that many times we tell God what we want to do. We feel good about what we want to do. We do it and then we stamp it and say it was the will of God. And, and a lot of times, because it seemed to work, then we really get hyped, thinking that God put his hand on it. The thing is, some things will work when you do it, but it will not keep working unless you keep maintaining it, which will end up wearing you out. Because anything that God has not established, he is not obligated to maintain so if we go buy a car on our own without seeking the wisdom of God, then it is up to us now to pay for that car. 
And that's why we're working four jobs and a part-time. Come on. We're working four fools and a part trying to keep what? A car that God did not give his stamp to. So now we are under pressure to keep what we decided. But nobody in here has ever done that. So we'll move on from there. Let's, 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 I want to give the topic for today. Before we do this, the topic for today is expensive. 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 You, you cost a lot. So for anybody with self-esteem issues in the day, today, you just got delivered. I ain't worth nothing. No, you're expensive. You cost plenty. Somebody reach over to your neighbor and say, you know, you are one expensive somebody. You, you are one expensive somebody. You, you are costly. Lord, you high price. I have mercy. Only God can afford you. I said only God can, af- only God can afford you. you. You couldn't pay for yourself. Somebody shout glory. This one sister right here called it. She called it. I heard her say, hallelujah. That was one of them, one of them Holy Ghost hallelujah. She, go ahead, Charlotte. I heard you. Yeah, no, you're expensive. Walking around here feeling sorry for yourself and bad about what you didn't have and who wasn't there. All that kind of foolishness. You cost too much for that. You're lowering your value. Cost too much to walk outside of the will of God and be doing all that stuff we see the world do. We, we shouldn't follow their pattern. They don't know their worth. They don't know how much was paid for them, but you do. It was the blood of Jesus that was paid for you. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, excuse me, I just wanted to let you know I'm expensive. I'm expensive. I cost much. <laughs> I cost much. Go and tell them I cost much. I cost, I cost much. Couldn't nobody afford me but God. Couldn't nobody afford me but God. And, and the thing was, you were expensive even when you weren't worth the value. You were expensive to God even though to the human eye, you really weren't worth. I wish I had somebody. You weren't worth too much. People wouldn't have paid. What God was willing to pay for you. I'm going to just say it this way. He, ain't no way in the world somebody would have paid for me. What God, but God looked past my mess and saw my value and didn't go and ask anybody if he should pay that for me. But he decided that he wanted to give his son for me. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. But I, I want to say, I want to show you some pictures. Let's look at some pictures here. Expensive, expensive. That is a, who said, oh yeah, who's, Patrick, that is a Bugatti Veyron. That car right there, I looked it up, that car will run 253 miles power. Oh, that bad boy can go. I'm going to be honest and upfront and say, I don't need a car like that. Because if I had it. At least once, Sister Palmer, I will have to, just one time, so I don't need that car. I don't need it. I'm just going to be honest. Ed, I don't need that. Do you need that? No, because you, you would do it, wouldn't you? <laughs> I would die one time. That's a bad car. Next picture. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? 
That's a beautiful house. A lot of rooms in that house. So anybody back there say, ooh, I'd love to have that. A lot of room to clean. Prayerfully, prayerfully, you got enough money to hire somebody. That's a lot of rooms. Isn't that right, Auntie? That's a lot of rooms in there. A lot of, lot of, you see how beautiful, look at, oh, look at the bushes and all. Can you see your husband out there trying to do that with the bushes? Hire somebody, hire somebody. Tap your neighbor, hire somebody. No, I wanted to show you those because, go back to the car, go back to the car. What if you bought that car and you were told about how well this car can perform? You got it home, put it out on 95, Ed, to test it, and it wouldn't go above 100. Return? Go to the house. What if you bought this house and the first time it rained, it leaks all over the place. You went to turn the water on and it was brown when it came out. It, it, was, it looked beautiful on the outside. But you paid all that money for it though. I believe that Veyron runs about a million dollars. And this house is three, four, 15, 10, 20 million, brother. You paid all that money. It's expensive. And because of its cost, if it doesn't operate the way it's designed, the letdown is even bigger. If you paid $100 for the car, if it didn't work right, you say all I lost was, if you paid $150 for the house, you say all I lost was, but if you lost millions... See, what I'm I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build a platform for the sermon today. You are so expensive. You cost so much that if you don't perform the way God intended for you to perform, then the letdown is heavier. See, God feels like we feel. The difference is you said you give the car back. God keeps working with us. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Because I feel you. If I paid a million dollars for that car and it didn't run a hundred, it's going back. It'll be there when they get there in the morning. Talking about take it back in the morning. No, I need a ride to pick me up tonight. I park it right in front of the door so they can't get in there without seeing it. Talk to me. Talk to me. But God doesn't turn us back in. He doesn't take us back to the one he bought us from and say you sold me junk. But he continues to work with us. Should be worship all over the room. Should be worship all over the room. Hands should be up everywhere. Somebody ought to be saying, thank you for working with me. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank, for not, thank you for not turning me back in. That's, that's not God's way. It's not God's way. It's to, it's to get us to understand that, that, that we cost so much. He paid such a high price. The least we could do are the little things he asked of us. 
Because it's not like he never done anything for us. Not only did he pay for us, but he took up maintenance. No, he didn't just buy us and then just leave us to ourselves. He bought us and then took up maintenance because he provides all our needs according to his riches and glory. And even he throws in some of our wants. He heals us. He, come on here. He delivers us. He, come on, y'all. He supplies for us. He, he defends us. He, he covers us. So the least we could do are the few things that he asked of us. Not asking for a lot. To live outside of the will and the purpose of God for our lives is to, here's the word, come on, malfunction. If we live outside of God's will and purpose for our lives, we're malfunctioned. It means something's wrong. Something's broken. A malfunction is a failure to function in a normal and satisfactory manner. Can I tell y'all? Let me say something to y'all. God's normal and the world's normal are opposite one another. I need to tell you that God's normal and the world's normal are opposite. They are, they are on opposing ends of the spectrum. The world's normal is they curse you, you curse them back. God's normal is they curse you, you bless them. So for us as believers to do what the world does is abnormal, act, malfunction. So God says pray for them and we say no, I'm going to tell them off. Act, malfunction. The Holy Spirit says, wait, don't do that. And we go and do it. Malfunction. And the Holy Spirit always moves. He precedes a malfunction. That's why the scripture says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. That's what happens. See, see, the moment we step outside of the will of God and that conviction sets in on us, malfunction. Talk to me. Where you at, church? Y'all with me? Just touch your name and say, come on, no malfunction, no malfunction, no malfunction. Everything that has ever been made was made for a reason, for a purpose. We're doing real good on time. We're going to finish good today. Everything that has ever been made, ever, everything that has ever been made in the history of all mankind was made for a reason or a, a purpose. We've been talking a lot about purpose, haven't we? Everything was made for a reason, for a purpose. It was made, let's look at the slides, they're going up, to perform a task. To perform a task, like, uh, you know, putting a little, uh, back in, way back in the day, they put the plows behind the oxen. So that was the, you know, row, dig out the rows, shovels, the dig holes. Knives and forks to cut your turkey and then eat it. They're made to perform a task or they were made to solve a problem. I need to talk to Clay. He lives in Springfield. I live in Pula. I can't just holler. (laughs) And I don't know what a carrier pigeon looks like. Talk to me, somebody. If I saw one, I wouldn't know to grab him and put a note on him. I wouldn't know how to do that. And how would he know to go to Clay's house? How would he? 
I don't know. So, so somebody invented the phone. Oh, y'all, come on now. Solve the problem. You need to talk to somebody somewhere else. They didn't live next door to you. Come on. You. They, they built the phone. And back in the day, they had the phone. They had a party line. That's before my time. Don't nobody look at me funny. Before my time, I heard about them. I heard about them. And there was a problem with the party line. There was a problem with it. It was a party on your line. There was a pro- Other people could hear what you were talking about. So if you wanted some privacy, they fixed that. They created something to solve the problem. And then we got to the point, Pam, where we needed to be mobile with our phones. So they put the phone in the car. Y'all remember that? But then you, if you were in the car and you were talking to somebody, when you stopped, that conversation was over. So then they started saying, well, did it be even more mobile? So then they made Elder Smith the bag phone. I had one of those. I had a bag phone. How many of y'all had a bag? Wasn't that foolish, that big old thing? Walking around with a purse on, our, on us with a phone in it. Showing off, I was showing off. I was in the mall with mine. Just to, I wasn't talking to nobody because you can get but 30 minutes. You didn't get but 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Some of y'all are looking at me like, that's all you got when cell phones get 30 minutes. And that costs a bunch. I was trying to talk for 30 seconds. Say it quick. You need some bread and eggs and what? <laughs> Pastor Leslie wanted, oh, I do babies. I, I can't talk like that. Anyway, so then we needed to be even more mobile too much. So then they started making the little, they made the other phone with the long antenna on it. But you couldn't put that in your pocket. And so because they wanted to solve a problem, they continued to evolve. Some things are made to perform a service. Created to perform a service. Some businesses, like fast food restaurants. You don't have time to cook, you can go to KFC, you can go to Popeyes. I know, I know. Perform a service. You don't have time to clean the house yourself, you can hire a maid. Nowadays, you can go online and you can find somebody to keep your kids, cut your grass. The internet solves the problem, performs a service. Some things were created, made to make life easier. You feel me? Apostle Taylor used to work in the, you too, y'all worked in the construction area and things like that. You know I'm saying? So you, you created ladders. <laughs> so, what at all? So you could paint up high. And then, then they made the rollers. Oh, come on, bless the Lord. And then they came out with the spray guns. Oh, you're really moving then, boy. Weren't you? See, see, remember Elder Smith, we used to have to carry the bricks by hand, and God bless that guy that came up with a wheelbarrow. I just want to say, God bless that dude, because now you can put a bunch of, see? How about the potato chip clip? I invented that. I did. I used a clothespin. Imagine my surprise when I walked into the store and saw the guy had a thing that said chip clip on it. That could have been me. No, really. It, 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 see what I'm saying? Solve the problem, made things easier. So everything got a reason and a purpose. So let's throw that, let's go to that next slide. Let's look at it real quick. The Bugatti Veyron in white this time. Oh, that thing is pretty. Oh Lord. If I could have one, I'd probably get it. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> The Bugatti Veyron was made for speed. If you have a family of four, that is not your car. 
I'm just saying, if, 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 if you have a problem with your knees and your hips, that is not your car, because you might get in. <laughs> we have problems getting you out of there. No, that's, but it's, it's built for speed. That, everything about that car, the way it's on the outside, interior, the tires, uh, all of its dimensions, everything about that car is speed. Comfort does not exist there. You want to be comfortable? Don't buy that. You want to go fast? That's your car. Now, if you do want comfort, if you do want comfort, you want that. The Lexus LS460. Oh, that thing. Oh, Lord. That's a nice automobile. You hear me? Comfortable. The back seats recline. And I rode in a version that had, are you ready for this? Hold on to your hats. Massaging seats. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't ever want to drive. Would you want to drive, Smitty? I'd be, I'd be in the back all the time. Go ahead, baby. Go ahead. Drive. <laughs> Just drive somewhere. Take me to Publix. That's, that's, that's beautiful, isn't it? The suspension, all of the wonderful features. For convenience, the, 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 the ability to have heated and cool seats, front and back. You know what I'm saying? Have control over your air conditioning and your own music in the back. All of that is for comfort. That's what that car is created for. You want to go fast? Not your car. If you need to pull a trailer, Benny don't use that. You tear it up. You will tear that up. Talking about you pulling a, um, what's that thing? You A fifth wheel. No, you pull that behind the fifth wheel. You don't, you don't pull the fifth wheel. So, but, but, but if you do need to pull something, Smitty, F-150, baby. I know some of y'all are messing with them rams and stuff, but we're not talking about that. The vehicle for the day is that. So, strength. Strength. That you need a pickup truck. Let's be generic. A pickup truck. You can haul things, pull things, move heavy items. It's built for that. The suspension, everything about this vehicle is built for really being abused. It's built to withstand abuse. Abuses that the other two cars can't take. So if you are a contractor or, or what have you, or you need to pull things and move things around, this is what you need. And then they sell bigger trucks, dualies, and, and diesels to pull heavier loads. You with me? What do all of these things have in common, though? Well, number one, they are all modes of transportation. They have that in common. Stay with me. This, this is all going to make sense in just a minute. Although they have many things in common, they were built with very different purposes in mind. They all have seats. They all have steering wheels. They all have gear shifts. Now they don't have that. They have a little button you put, you know, but they all have brakes. Thank you, Jesus. They, <laughs> they all take fuel. They, 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 you see so they're similar, but they're designed with different purposes in mind. 
Although they can all be used in many ways, it is when they are being used in the way they were designed or in their purpose that they are at their best. So you can pull a trailer with an LS460, but it's best when you use it for getting on the road. You can take your family a four around in that Bugatti, but you're going to be sitting on each other's laps. But it's best if you're going to get in it by yourself or with your wife and take a ride across the bridge to Hilton Head somewhere. You don't want to drive that to California. You can drive your big truck to California, but that's not really the total purpose of it. See, just because something can be used for something doesn't mean it's at its best. Anything that's created is at its best when it is being used for the purpose. So in the same way, operating outside our purpose is like being a fenced-in cheetah. There's not enough room. Or, Edward, there's no freedom. See, cheetahs are born to run. And if we had this right here, little alleyway here, fenced in with a cheetah in it, we'd never get to see him at his best. He could give brief sprints, and we could see sprints of his goodness, sprints of his speed and strength and his agility. But it's not until you let him loose that he's able to fully operate in his purpose. And it's just like that with us. We need freedom, and that freedom is only found in our purpose. Whenever we operate in anything lower than our purpose, we are not at our best. And we are not most free, but rather we are bound. Help me, Holy Ghost. We are not who God has called us to be when we're living outside of our purpose. We are not at our best. We are not at optimum. We are like a Bugatti trying to pull a trailer. Woo! So what is your purpose? What is it that you're supposed to be doing? Okay, I'm going to tell you. Here it is. Salt, light, shine. Salt, light, shine. That's our gig. We are at our best when we are salt, when we are light, and when we are shining. We are at our worst when we do anything else. Living below our potential. Let's look at some scripture. Here's scriptural proof. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Ye are the light, the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And do what? Glorify your Father, which is where? In heaven. See, our job is to be salt. We preserve, but we make things better. If we're out there making it worse, we're operating beneath our potential. We're agents of change. You cannot put us in the mix and it not get better. 
You can't put us in the pot and the pot stays the same. Talk to me, somebody. We walk in a room and the environment ought to change. The atmosphere ought to change because of the words we speak. We walk in where there's contention and we speak peace. That's who we are. We're salt. We don't make things worse. We season the pot. We are light. We improve the room. If there's darkness, we light it up. It's what we do. We can't help it. We're light. We illuminate. That's who we are. And we will not turn down. Turn down for what? The world needs us. The scripture said that this is a dark world. And we've been planted here to shine. So we wonder, why am I working where there are no Christians? Matt, get the memo. You are the Christian. You are the Christian. You're the light. It doesn't take a whole lot of light to change a room. I want a little flashlight about this big. It's just this big. I can walk my dog with it. When my roof, when my house, when my backyard is totally dark, I can turn that light on and it will light up the area wherever I shine it. You didn't get it. It'll light up wherever you shine it. Wherever. Somebody say wherever. See, the thing is that we often get our purpose mixed up with church. And we think that the only place we're useful to God is in here. The problem is, it's a bunch of salt and light in here. It's just as salty up in here. So much light, I thought about wearing my shades this morning. Talk to me, somebody. It is for the pots that have no seasoning that we have been born again. It is for the dark places that we have been born again. Somebody shout glory in here. So even though you sing in church, God bless you. When you're done singing in church, what are you doing? If you preach in church after you get through with the microphone, what, are, what is coming out of your mouths when you're in the world? Our usefulness does not end here. I got to go down to the church and do ministry. No, you got to go to work and do ministry. You got to go home and do some ministry. You got to go home. You got to go home, uh, husbands and wives, and love each other. Wives, honor your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church so your kids can see what the relationship between Christ and the church looks like so that they don't think that husbands and wives disrespect one another. Oh, help me here. And talk about each other and mumble. Come on, talk to me, somebody. We teach our kids what being Christian look like because the world is teaching them what being worldly look like. They need an antidote. After eight hours going off from you in the world with their friends saying all kind of things and doing all kind of things, they need to come home and be debriefed. Yeah. I ain't lying to you. They need to be debriefed. That's a, it's a crucial place out there. Y'all, y'all not talking to me. Y'all act like it's friendly out there. No, there is a war going on outside of these walls. God built us for this. Salt. 
so much salt that our words, he said, should be seasoned with salt. So they edify the hearer. You can say something that will change somebody's life. I promise you, you can. You can speak a word of wisdom and it will change somebody's course. I promise you, you can. If you allow the Holy Spirit that's been implanted in you. It don't do no good for us to come here and be good at church. And our own families are in a shambles. Can anybody talk to me? We're talking about what the government needs to do and, and what kind of initiatives need. We need a Holy Ghost initiative. We need a Holy Ghost move of God. Somebody's praying. Somebody right now is praying for revival in the United States. I say we need a revival in the church. That will leak over and run into our homes. We don't need a week worth of revival at the church house. We need a year worth of revival at our house. Purpose. Look at, look at, look, 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 look at this. Amplify. I'm sorry, I'm getting off course. Amplify. Here you go. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, purpose. If the salt has lost its purpose, if the salt has lost its purpose, see that? If the salt has lost its purpose, what's the purpose of salt? Preservation and seasoning. If we've lost our purpose, what good are we? If we've lost sight of the reason that he saved us, that he changed us, that he redeemed us, that he gave us this awesome gift of the Holy Spirit, if we've lost sight of that, if we think that God is a blessing machine, somebody we run to when we have trouble and problems to ask him to give us stuff and fix stuff, and we don't see that God is our father who called us for a purpose, who gave us reason for being, who drew us out of the darkness Huh? And brought us into his marvelous light. Who pulled us out of the muck and the mire. And cleaned us up. Who did a work in us that is so amazing. That it's hard for people to believe. That we are not the same person that we used to be. That we are like that blind man. That Jesus put mud on his eyes. And had to convince everybody. I am the same man who used to be blind. And I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. But what I do know is that I once was blind. But now I see the least I can do is tell somebody that Jesus still saves. But maybe we weren't saved from anything. Maybe we weren't redeemed from anything. Maybe our lives were completely perfect before we met him. Maybe we didn't really need him. Maybe we were all right the way we were. Because then we can understand not doing what he asked us to do. So maybe we can understand turning our lights off and getting rid of our salt. But since he did give his son for us, and since everything I just said is a lie, because we needed him. 
I tell you, we needed him bad. I wish I had a witness here. We needed him better than I needed my dentist when I had a toothache in the middle of the night. And all he asked, he said, just be salt for me. Just be light for me. Just let your light so shine. Let it, let it shine in such a way. That's what it means, Michael Dillon. Let it shine in such a way that men will see your good works and then glorify your father in heaven. That's all I'm asking of you. That's all I want from you. Whenever you go to your job tomorrow morning, I want you to just let your light so shine. Come on, I want, I want the glory of God to be seen in your workplace. I want him to be seen in your neighborhood. I want him to be seen when you go to Publix today, when you take your car to be detailed. I don't care what you're doing in your telephone conversation with the person who's trying to collect the debt from you. Instead of you being nasty because they were nasty, show them the love of God anyway. I know you're tired of them calling you, and I know you ain't got the money, and I know they can't get blood from a turnip, but be nice to them. Come on, y'all. Don't, don't get, come on, don't be snotty because they're snotty. Can y'all talk to me? Let your light so shine. That men might see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Somebody being mean to you, be nice to them. Show love to them. It can change their life. And it's not about us. It's not in it about us. Jesus already made it about us. God already made it about us. It was about us because he died. It's, been, it's already been about you. It was about you the day he got on the cross. Oh, I need a church. It was about you the day that he allowed himself to be whipped with a cat of nine tails. Somebody say, it's already been about me. It's already been about me. It was about you when he allowed them to nail him to the cross. It was about you when they put the crown of thorns on his head. It was about you when they pierced his side. No, it's been about us. Now it's about him. What do you want, God? Where do you want me? Who do you want me to love today? Who do you want me to minister today? What do you, how do you want me to live my life? Because you promoted me. You raised me up when all I had was a, was a loaf of bread and some peanut butter and jelly. It was you, God, that kept me when I didn't have enough money to pay attention. It was you, God, that healed my body when I was too sick to do anything for myself. When my marriage was on the rocks and I thought I was going to lose my mind, you stepped in, God. It was you the least I could do. It's shine. That's my purpose. That's, that's what you made me for. You made me to provide a service. You made me to make some things easier. That's why you did that. So Ed, that's why out of all the people in our family he could have saved, saved us first. Smitty, us? Somebody told me the Lord wanted me. Hey, you got to be kidding. Can I have a real conversation? You got to be kidding. He want me. Oh, you don't know me. He couldn't possibly want me. He wanted me. Because the way I figured, if he could save the worst... If God can do something, if you thought you were the black sheep, if he can make the black sheep white. Y'all didn't catch that. Woo! 
if because if, if you because some of us in this room thinking we were the worst in our family and that we were the lowest of the low and we were the scum of the earth and we were lower than a snake's belly but if God can save you and clean you up and fill you with the Holy Ghost and bless you the way he did then sure enough your family who grew up in church who were just playing church could be saved I just I'm basically saying if you can restore a rusted out 57 Chevy, then you can fix my 2001 Pinto. Ain't no Pintos in 2001, but you understand what I'm saying. I'm just saying. If you can fix the worst, you can do something with what's better. Maybe he saved you first. Because he knew the impact that you could have on your family. But if we're operating outside of that then the impact we're having on our family is the opposite of what God wants. So last scripture, here we go, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, there it is, do it all to the glory of God. Ain't that something? God, you mean God concerned with how we eat Thanksgiving dinner? God's concerned with how we drink our red Kool-Aid. He said, whether you eat or drink. He said, look, whatsoever you do. If you go into the laundromat to wash a load of clothes, out there mowing the lawn, he said, do it all to the glory of God. That's our purpose, y'all. Our whole existence is about bringing glory to God. And it extends beyond church. It extends beyond, this is, this is how we see glory to God. Little ugly face. Like we smell something. That ain't necessarily glory. Sometimes that's just doing what we've seen people do. The real glory, the glory, we out there. That world that the scripture says that, that, that they're waiting for the manifestation. Aren't they waiting? Of who they're waiting on? The sons of God waiting on us. Because I think John said now. When? Who are we? We ain't waiting to become. We already are. But the world waiting on us to show up. And we out there all amongst them. And all they're waiting on is for us to just pull the switch and shine. So when you leave today, don't turn your lights off. Don't put the top on your salt shakers. No, you're most needed out there. We're most needed out there. Our purpose, salt, light, shine. Say it with me. Salt, light, shine. One more time for the Holy Ghost. Salt, light, shine. That's why we were born again. That's why we were redeemed. And y'all, we are too expensive 
to malfunction. We cost God way too much to not be who he's called us to be. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for what you shared. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for your precious, beautiful, wonderful son. Your only begotten son. You gave to redeem us. Help us to walk in our purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's someone here today who's not saved.